Disclaimer. Lore exists to help inspire creativity and story. It should not be used to lord over anyone at your game table, whether that be a dungeon master or player. Be flexible and willing to modify what exists to accommodate the story the table wishes to tell. Stories of the evil drow who live beneath the surface are common amongst the surface folk, but there's only one deity sworn to change that perception and return the drow to the surface to live amongst their kin once more, free from the influence of other deities of the Dark Seldarine. In this podcast, we will focus upon Elas Trey, the singular good-aligned deity of the Drow Pantheon. I am Ben Dignan, aka DM Diggy, and welcome once again to Religion in the Realms. To start off the podcast, I first want to draw attention to the name of this particular deity, just because it is a bit of a mouthful to say. Uh, looking at the official documentation and the different supplements that are available out there, the pronunciation of Elastre is Elistrei. Now, obviously, when you say this in casual speech, it might get a bit mumbled, it's a bit to wrap your head around at first, but eventually, with a bit of practice, you can nail it down. I know for myself, it took a while, but you, you get there eventually. Uh, if th- it's still kind of bothering you with kind of pronouncing it, it's not coming out fluidly as much as you'd like it to, there are other titles that she does go by. Uh, some of those titles are The Dark Maiden, uh, The Lady of the Dance, and Lady Silverhair. Now we'll turn to the deity themselves. Uh, this section I like just to kind of cover who the deity is, what their personality is like if you ever come across them in gameplay, uh, what their portfolio and associated domains are. Now, with Illustrae, her portfolios are song, beauty, dance, sword work, hunting, and moonlight. And as we kind of go through the history, her personality, everything involved with her clergy, uh, these portfolios will become much more apparent. Uh, for those of you who are playing 5th edition, um, her domains are mentioned in the Sword Coast Adventurer's Guide, Skag for short. Uh, there her domains are listed as Nature and Light. Now when it comes to her appearance, she typically will not display herself immediately before one of her worshippers or anyone out in the world. Uh, when she does appear to manifest herself in the prime materials, it's commonly off in the distance away from people. Uh, when she does this, she will oftentimes be singing a beautiful, unearthly song that is sometimes mentioned to drive people to tears just by sheer influence. Uh, other times, she will be accompanied by the sound of a hunting horn, one of her associated instruments. 
When she does rarely come before her worshippers, it's in one of two instances. Uh, in the first, she will become before people who are worshipping her around a bonfire. Uh, as we will discuss later, bonfires are a big part of certain rituals associated with Ilya S3. Uh What will happen is she'll manifest and she'll just kind of go into this dance where she leaps, leaps through the flames, remaining unharmed by the the sheer heat and the flames themselves. At other times, she is rumored to test the kindness of travelers in the woodlands at night. Uh, she herself will just look like a drow, but hide that fact by adorning herself in a simple hooded cloak. Now, if you're going to use the avatar of the Dark Maiden, she doesn't manifest in the sense of looking like your typical medium-sized creature who's just there to uh, communicate with your party members or NPCs or whoever it might be. If your if the avatar is coming about in the situation where combat is imminent or about to occur, uh, Illustrae's avatar is a nine-foot drow nude woman with a set of this lustrous ankle-length flowing silver hair that just emits this Silver Radiance. Also, she will be equipped with her characteristic silver longswords that she uses in battle with great flair and ability. There exist simpler manifestations of Illustrae, uh, just to kind of hint to party members that their, her influence is in the immediate area. Um, one of these is this shimmering silver radiance accompanied by the notes of an elven, of an elven harp on the air. Uh, she can bless an object with this radiance if she so chooses. Uh, and typically this is a bladed weapon, as bladed weapons are heavily associated with her worship. Uh, this radiance, radiance also provides assistance to those in the woods at night, uh, whether they be, whether it might be used in guiding someone who is lost out in the woods, or comforting someone who is being attended to or is in need of aid. Sometimes this silver radiance can be replaced with silver swallow-tailed moths uh, that will be lent to her, will be lent by her to give aid to people in the same capacity. Now, finally, if Illustrator herself needs to be engaging in combat for whatever the reason may be, she wields her two typical swords of dancing, and she will be wearing a shimmering green cloak that provides her a large degree of camouflage. Taking a shallow dive now into the personal history of Illustrator, You'll see that she comes from a complex family, to say the least. Now, the Dark Seldarine are drow deities separated from the other elven deities that exist in the Seldarine pantheon. Lolth stands as the main source of the split between the two pantheons with the betrayal of her former husband, Corlon Lorethian. Illustrae is the daughter of both Corlon and Lolth, who at the time was known as Roshni before she was banished from the Seldarim. Illustrae is also the twin sister of Vedron, 
drow deity of drow males, surface raids, and thievery. Now, Illustrie was brought into this betrayal plot of her mother via deception, and she nearly killed her father Corlon when a battle broke out between the Seldarine and the potential usurpers. Illustrie willingly agreed to exile herself from the realm of the elven deities known as Arvindor, and to exile herself to the Prime Material Plane after Loth and her accomplices were banished from Arvindor. Illustrie believed that should one day, she believed that one day she would have to oppose her brother and mother's influence on the Prime Material and their future attempts to gain power and followers. Later, during a crisis on the surface of Faerun, and during a period called the Crown Wars, the evil powers of this Dark Seldarine seduce various elven dominions. In return, these new worshippers furthered the influence needed by the Dark Seldarine to gain that foothold in the world that they really desired. And as she had predicted, Eostrehi remained as the singular opposing good power in the Dark Seldarine to this rising influence. Uh, as time would go on, the other elves would perform a ritual that would banish the drow to the Underdark for the treachery against both Elvenkind and Seldarine. In the coming centuries, Ilstrae's power would be diminished by the corrupting influence of the Dark Seldarine on the Drow people, uh, particularly with the deities of Loth and Gonador. Uh, Ilstrae's church and clergy remained on the fringes of Drow society. Uh, in later times, there was an assassination plot carried out by her brother Veyron to kill Ilstrae, but... Fortunately, she failed, excuse me, he failed in this endeavor, and he actually died at the hands of the Dark Maiden. At that time, Ilstra, he took it upon herself to absorb the portfolios of her and her slain brother. Followers from both faith, uh, both faith witness a change in Ilstra's uh, demeanor and personality, and there was an uneasy kind of truce between the two clergy as they started to worship her as the mass lady in a joint faith. Now in a more recent history of the Forgotten Realms, after the events of the Second Sundering, many of the gods were rebirthed, uh, Illustrae being one of them. At that time, she was also separated from her brother, and Veyron returned back to being his own separate deity and they regained their original portfolios. But with this separation, uh, they were once former em enemies, uh, her and Veyron. Uh, the two siblings have now become... Well, they've now come to at least to an agreement to no longer display any open hostility to one another, though Veyron still remains of a chaotic, chaotic evil disposition. For a chaotic good deity, Illustrie has a very stoic and calm demeanor. Uh, this stems from what I imagine being her very complex backstory with 
the strained relationship, obviously, with her mother and her brother. That and the fact that her people, the drow, have been turned upside down and made out to be these evil, corrupt creatures. So it kind of stands to reason that she has this somber demeanor about her. Uh, she holds a deep grudge for any drow who commits evil and furthers the bad reputation placed upon her people. And she also is not known for grand gestures, but will make small practical gestures to help out mortals in their daily lives. Um, her happiness comes about when she does see like the ideals of beauty unfolding before, before her, whether it be that being the creation of song or craft, or through acts of kindness or love. Like all deities, uh, Ilustri has her associated allies out in the great pantheons of the Forgotten Realms. Uh, those who she calls her personal allies are Selun, who is goddess of the moon, Kalar Doran, Smooth Hands, the patron deity of the Deep Gnomes, or Snurf Nebulon, if you will, Hyla Bradax, who is the dwarven deity of battle and luck, the Rue, the deity of intelligent beasts, uh, Mistra, greater deity of magic, the entire pantheon of the elves, known as the Seldarine, though she has a strained relationship with Severash, which is completely understandable given Severash's portfolio. Severash's portfolio is entirely wound around the idea of hating the drow, so it's completely understandable that Illustrated and Severash might not have the best relations from time to time. Now with allies, of course, there's enemies, and Illustrated has a good number of them, and they tend to be associated with the evil deities associated with the denizens of the Underdark. So we have Deep Dwera and Ladguer, who are the Dwergar deities, Karen Sely, Galoth and Selvatarm, who are evil gods of the Drow Pantheon, Guanadwar, who used to be part of the Drow Pantheon, but has now distanced themselves from the Drow Pantheon and struck out on their own, there's the Kuatoan deity, who I will not try to pronounce their name, but if you are familiar at all with Kuatoan lore, you know the deity I'm speaking of. Uh, continuing on, there's Dorinka, who is the deity of the, the Darrow. Uh, there's Great Mother and Skesmidid, who are Beholder deities. I butchered that last one. I have no idea how to pronounce that, but carrying on. There's Ilsensine, who is the patron deity of the Mind Flayers, and to round it out, there's Legzed, uh, who is the deity of the Troclodytes. Now, for those of you who love stat blocks and having them right in front of you, there isn't anything officially released for Illustrate herself or her avatar in 5e, but... If you are playing in the older systems, or you just like to get into the nitty-gritty nuts and bolts of different systems and convert them to 5e, her stat blocks are available. So if you're looking for stat blocks for her avatar, you can find them in three supplements. Uh, for second edition, you can find the stat blocks in either the Drow of the Underdark supplement or the 
Demi-Human Deity Supplement. Her Avatar stat block for 3rd edition can be found in the Faiths and Pantheons Supplement. There does exist one stat block for Illustrator yourself that I was able to find, and that is in the Faiths and Pantheons Supplement, which is available for 3rd edition. I was able to find two different variations on symbols for Illustrate that her clergy or followers would be carrying around with themselves, whether that be upon their shields or on charms or whatever the case may be. Uh, the oldest symbol I was able to find is a silver longsword up in front with a silver moon in the background. And around the circumference of the moon are silvery filaments that kind of radiate off of the outside of the circle of the moon. Uh, the most recent symbol and the one that I've seen most commonly throughout the different supplements I looked into is that of a naked, long-haired drow female dancing in front of a silver moon wielding uh, a silver bass sword. Of course, this being a very common depiction of Illustrator herself. Now, of course, a Dungeon Master player can take the two, melt them together, take one or the other, and change it up to make it look different. That's the whole fun part about, uh, you know, developing your own kind of symbols for your NPCs or PCs. So don't feel, of course, beholden to both these, or if you do wish, go ahead and stick to them straight out of the book. Throughout the history of the Forgotten Realms, Illustrate has moved amongst a few different planes of existence. With the reorganization of the planes into the Great Wheel Cosmology after the event of the Second Sundering, Illustrate now exists once more on the plane of Ysgard. Or her specific dominion is called Svartelfheim, on the lowest level of Ysgard known as Nidavillar. The realm of Nidavillar is an underground realm that is rich in minerals, hot springs, and forests of a mysterious species of trees that require no sunlight to grow. It is said she still maintains the smallest of dominions down in the demon wed pips pits of the abyss. This serves as a connection to the dark cellarine she seems unwilling to sever. The clergy of Illustrate doesn't have a main tome or book of belief that they reference to in their practice. But I was able to find a repeating credo and ethos that they follow in various supplements. So if you don't mind, I'm just going to quote what I found in the Drow of the Underdark supplement uh, verbatim. Aid the weak, strong, grateful, and churlish alike. Be always kind, save in battle with evil. Encourage happiness everywhere. Lift hearts with kind words, jests, and songs and merriment. Learn how to cook game and how best to hunt it. Learn new songs, dances, ways with weapons, spices, and recipes, and pass this learning on whenever possible. Learn to play, make, and repair musical instruments. Practice music and sword work. Defend and aid all folk, promoting harmony between races. Strangers are your friends. The homeless must be given shelter from storms under your own roof if need be. Repay rudeness with kindness. Repay violence with swift violence 
that the fewest may be hurt, and danger fast removed from the land. This is the credo of the Dark Maiden. I wasn't able to find any real reasoning for the desire to have her followers only use bladed weapons, but it is a is a belief that is constantly referred to, and I guess given her depiction, Illustrae's depiction, with her own set of silver longswords in her hands, it stands to reason that her clergy and her followers would like to reference and imitate that depiction in the ways that they practice warfare and combat. Now, it was taught by the clergy of Illustrae not to hate the other drow who worship the other evil deities of the Dark Seldarine, rather to show pity on them and make use of any opportunity to turn them to the worship of Illustrae and return them back to, up to the surface to join the rest of the good folk. And paramount to the beliefs of Illustrae is the need to provide aid to any drow who is found to be in dire straits. From this, if they are found to be willing up to open, if they're found to be willing enough to open up to a follower of Illustrae, they are to be given the following message. Rightful place awaits you in the realms above, in the land of the great light. Come in peace and live beneath the sun again, where trees and flowers grow. When it comes to the categorization of the different deities of the Forgotten Realms, Illustrae is considered to be a lesser deity. Lesser deities are those with a few thousand to tens of thousand worshippers. So in a sense, you could call her clergy and her church a cult, just because of the lesser numbers of followers she has at her beneath her. And they don't really have any definite influence on the power structures of the Sword Coast or the rest of Faerun. Given the small amount of numbers of followers that she has, and that the faith exists out on the fringes of society, most knowledge about Illustrae is misinformed and clouded by rumor. Many believe her just to be another member of the evil drought pantheon, scorning all peoples of the surface world. Then others must root out the truth from the lies, or just by happenstance stumble upon her followers, or places of worship by mere chance. There's an informal structure that exists amongst the clergy of Illustrae. Bands of worshippers exist almost entirely independently on the various, in the various forests across Faerun, with little communication occurring between those bands. Once there did exist a high cleric at the head of all clergy, uh, she was Kulue Velador, and I probably butchered the pronunciation of that, so forgive me, but... Unfortunately, she did perish some time ago, and as such, no one has returned to that title. Now, as a gaming group, if you're wishing to stay true to the lore of the Forgotten Realms, then only females of any given intelligence race can become part of the clergy. Personally, I would remove such requirements, 
but that's just me and I usually remove any requirements for class, player options, etc. that kind of revolve around sex and race. If you're looking to stay true to the alignment requirements of joining or being a worshipper of Illustrate, then only those of lawful good, neutral good, and or chaotic good alignments are permitted to join the clergy. People who are aspiring to join the clergy or acolytes of Illustrate are known simply as maids. The vast majority of Illustrate's clergy is composed of priestesses with differing degrees of martial and artistic skill. Very few amongst the clergy are actual clerics, and even smaller number still are paladins. Now I'd just like to look at a general list of responsibilities slash duties that the clergy of Illustrate carry out in their daily lives. Uh, it is as follows, um, nurture beauty, music, the craft of making musical instruments and song, assist hunters in hunting, help others in acts of kindness, be skilled in playing at least one of the Dark Maiden's favorite instruments, be that horn, flute, or harp, be trained in singing and dancing and sword work, encourage drow to return to the service world and mend relationships with those races. Use swords in battle. If no sword is available, make use of another bladed weapon. Bulls are typically wielded as secondary weapons. I'd like to bring attention to some of the actual named priestly bodies and orders of Illustrated that I was able to find throughout the various supplements I looked into. Uh, the first one is the Dark Ladies. Now, the Dark Ladies is a term that is used to describe all clergy of Illustrate, that being all priestesses of Illustrate, regardless of where they operate out of, what race they might be, etc., etc., are referred to as Dark Ladies. Clergy who belong to a specific temple may adopt their own names to differentiate themselves from the whole clerical body. Uh, some example, excuse me. Some examples that may be of use for a dungeon master are moon dancers, moon singers, dark huntresses, argent maids, living swords, unsheathed blades, the bright edges of darkness, and ghosts of the moonstruck night. One of the named priestly bodies of Illustrate are the chosen of Illustrate. And they operate out of the out of Illustrate's Promenade Temple down in Undermountain near Skullport, and we'll talk about them in a bit. I was able to find mention of two Paladin orders that worship Illustrate. Uh, the first are Dark Song Knights. Uh, they are Paladins and other warriors of faith devoted to fighting the servants of Loth. Uh, primary the, primarily the demons known as Yachlal, who are the handmaidens of Loth. Uh, the second order of paladins is the Silverhair Knights. Uh, they are a small sect of worshippers who go out of their way to engage in combat with evil drow. Their method of combat relies entirely on non-lethal attacks against drow, choosing instead to offer mercy. 
they conduct a dangerous ritual to which literally pulls the sin out of the drought and absorbs and nullifies this, this sin with their own will and volition. Because of this ritual they perform, they are known as sin eaters. These knights can be found based out of the location of Corman Thor in the Forgotten Realms. Uh, the last named organization that I'd like to bring attention to in the worship of Illustrate is a group known as the Secret Moon Dancers. Now, I don't know if they are organized and have communication with one another, but I like to think they do, and you can get a lot of inspiration out of this. I mean, it just kind of sparks my imagination. Uh, and the Secret Moon Dancers are followers of Illustri who live in evil drow communities who preach the beliefs of dark of the Dark Maiden secretly and probably with definite uh, risks upon their lives. It is a common practice amongst the clergy of Illustri for the priestesses to dye their hair silver. Of course, Illustrae herself having long, lustrous, ankle-length silver hair. Um, silver hair can occur naturally for some drow, but it is mentioned to be a very rare occurrence. Again, in imitation of Illustrae herself, or her priestesses, if they are able to, will attempt to grow their hair down to their ankles, and much like was mentioned before in that symbol of Illustrae, when they are conducting rituals, they will wear little clothing, if any at all. Uh, priestesses favor leather armor when hunting, and will armor themselves accordingly in times of combat. In downtime, they favor silvery gowns and other clothes with any sort of silver inlay. Holy symbols that might be worn by the clergy tend to be made of silver, of course. Uh, as you can see, silver is a very important color and mineral and metal in the practice and church illustrate, uh, beginning back to the holy symbols. Um, most of the holy symbols that are used are pins or symbols that are worn around the neck attached to silver or mithril chains. Now here's just a list of general practices or rituals that um, the priestesses of Illustrae will uh, carry out. Uh, priestesses will often bless newly forged swords with a minor enchantment that will prevent the rusting or potential breakage of the sword for three months. While traveling, worshippers and priestesses are encouraged to pay minstrels a coin or two to listen to a couple songs. Again, kind of reinforcing that desire to keep beauty and song in the world. Uh, when eating food, if it is possible, it is best to have music accompany the meal. Priestesses can keep their own personal funds with the knowledge that they will spend it only to buy food, musical instruments, and or any other necessary tools or items in their service to illustrate Priestesses are allowed to go out on an adventure so long as they do their best to carry out their worship to the Dark Maiden. 
Priestesses are expected to help adventuring parties and others with provisions along the road or out in the various forests. Priestesses are expected to carry some amount of food with them at all times for the express purpose of giving it out to those in need. In harsh winter, priestesses are to go out and patrol the wilds in case anyone in dire straits needs help. Uh, you can see this, of course, in times where there might be a blizzard or a very strong storm. Priestesses are expected to sustain their own communities via, hunt via hunting and gardening. And prayers are conducted during the night, and if feasible, they are sung out loud rather than said out loud. Moving on, we're going to take a look at some of the specific rituals that the clergy conducts for the uh, worship of Illustrae. Uh, the first is known as the Circle of Song. This occurs after a hunt. Uh, the followers of Illustrae will conduct a feast. And then following the feast, the worshippers will build a bonfire. Sitting around the bonfire, each member will take a turn and sing a song and carry out a dance. And ideally, the circle of song takes place outdoors under a clear moonlit night. Now, there is a ritual known as simply the run. And this is an annual ritual. What happens is the priestesses of Illustrae will go from local community to community, bringing food and helping out with that community and practicing general goodwill. And this is in an attempt to change the opinions of the locals when it comes to drow. Especially, rather than to preach about Illustrae herself. Specific to the run is a practice that is too close for comfort to the real-world practice of blackface. So, personally, if I was to make mention of the run during one of my sessions that I was dungeon, dungeon mastering, I would just remove this entirely. It, The ritual itself is just fine without mention of it, but I will mention it here just because it has been written down. And what it is, is that uh, the non-drow worshippers and priestesses of Illustrae will take a mixture that they have composed out of herbs and juices and essentially paint themselves black in imitation of their dark drow goddess. So, again, too close to the real-world practice of blackface in our world, we don't need to kind of I know it's enough to, uh, we are mature enough to distance ourselves from real world and f a fantasy world, but personally, I would just forego it and forget it entirely. A third specific ritual I'd like to bring attention to is something known as the last dance. And this happens when a elder priestess is in, she knows she's in the last days of her life, and just known to her, she can hear the song of the Dark Maiden within her own mind. And when they kind of deem it themselves that it is time, they will walk out at night and begin to dance beneath the sky, listening to the song of Illustrae that they have been heard, that they've been hearing in their last few days. 
Now, at this time, once this elder worshiper begins to dance, it is said that the song can be heard by all around her. And then witnesses claim that as this elder priestess is dancing, she starts to grow younger and younger in appearance. Uh, Her hair, if it is not already silver, will now turn a radiant silver. And she will join this song that Illustrate is singing. And then slowly as she dances, she will become more and more translucent to she eventually fades away, just leaving behind this shimmering silvery radiance. This fourth ritual is a very simple one that occurs on a daily basis. It is known as an even song. It is a solitary practice that done at the each sorry, that is done at the end of each day by a priestess. And what will happen is a priestess will, I, it's not really described all that well, but what I imagine is is a form of meditation where they will kind of think back on the day and they'll let go of all the emotions that they have experienced throughout the day to bring them down to an even keel um, emotional state before they sleep. And then it is described that they do this through a small wordless wordless song. So I imagine them perhaps sitting cross-legged or sitting down when they're doing this, uh, eyes closed, probably humming to themselves, just kind of reflecting on the day. Now the last specific ritual I'd like to talk about is the high hunt. The the high hunt takes place uh, once every four seasons in a year. And what happens is the clergy will identify a singular dangerous monster that exists out around their temple, shrine, etc., etc. And the followers will go out at night to hunt the beast. Uh, The clergy will lead the hunts, wearing no armor themselves and wielding a singular sword. Uh, Others who may be participating or aren't priestesses may use other blade weapons of their choice. And then after the monster is slain, a feast is held, followed by a circle of song, which was mentioned earlier. Uh, the vo- vast majority of the time, temples of Eostree are established out in the mouths of caves or in dim forests upon the surface. They do this because that way the drow who worship Eostree can hide from the harsh light of the sun during the day while they are able to come out during the night to sing and pray. Clergy of Illustri try to model their temples off the model of construction used by clergy to the Seldarine or the Elven Pantheon. So they use natural sites that do not require much modification and are ideal for the establishment of of a temple. Some of the desired features of a temple contain a glade open to the night sky so they can conduct their various rituals out during the night, a place removed from the sunlight during the day, of course to allow the drow who come up to the surface to live, a source of water, a forge and smithy for crafting swords and other blades, some sort of access down to the underdark, and a vein of ore if it is available for those who are involved in crafting and smithing and forging metal. 
shrines of Illustrate, of course, are simpler in construction, and I would argue probably some of the more most simple shrines that exist out, out, out in Faerun to any of the deities. Really, the only requirement for a shrine to Illustrate is an open glade for her worshippers to come and dance. Uh, personally, I'd throw in some kind of marking to indicate that this is a particular shrine to Illustrate. Perhaps that might be a standing stone or a marking upon a tree around the glade. Uh, there is a list of forests that exist out in Faerun where there is a shrine to Illustrate. Uh, they don't, I have, wasn't able to find any specific locations in these various forests for where a shrine is or what it might be named, but I'll give you the list of forests just in case you as a dungeon master want to utilize that in your games. So shrines to illustrate can be found in the Misty Forest, the High Forest, the Forest of Shadows, the Grey Forest, uh, the Forest of Lathir, the Yearwood, and the Shondalwood. There exists a few named locations, uh, temples and shrines to illustrate you out in Faerun. Uh, the first I want to discuss is probably the most well-known, the most prominent, and that is Illustrae's Promenade. It exists to the northeast of Skullport, down in Undermountain, which of course can be found under the city of Waterdeep. Amongst the ruins, there is a former abandoned city, and a temple has been established there. In centuries past, the numbers of worshippers and priestesses, priestesses here has grown and shrunk with the shifting evil powers of the Underdark. Many of those who live at this temple are either escaped slaves or adventurers who remain here no longer willing to brave the dangers of Undermountain. Uh, found within the temple is a sizable stone structure carved in the likeness of the Dark Maiden. And the clergy, who I mentioned before, who live here, are called Illustrae's Chosen. The temple offers healing and lodging for adventurers, while members and priestesses patrol the outskirts of the ruins, maintaining, of, maintaining the defenses of the temples, given you know the baddies that exist out in the Underdark. Uh, the Dark Ladies at the Promenade have limited dealings with the denizens of Skullport, though they are known of by the people from Skullport. And the promenade exists as an exception to the usual location of the temples. To illustrate, as I mentioned before, they typically are out on the surface, either in caves or in forests. Uh, the promenade exists down in the Underdark, and it is one of those exceptions. Another temple that has been named in the different supplements in the past is the Mouth of Song. It is a temple found in the Moonwood, north of the village of Quavar, found in a cave mouth at the bottom of a treeless hill. Now on top of the hill, the worshippers would use that to kind of conduct their circles of song and other various different rituals for Illustrae. The third named temple that I was able to find is the Shadow Top Glade. It is a temple found at the northern end of Vellerwood in Harrowdale. Is found in a series of series of caves that run along a steep gully topped by towering shadow top trees. Uh, the drow here hunt alongside local lycanthropes from the Hallowing Hills, who they themselves worship Saloon on full moon nights, 
Uh, Selun, of course, being one of the deities associated with the pantheon. Sorry, she is a member of the Ferunian pantheon, and she is the goddess of the moon. Moving on to a couple of the shrines that have been named. Uh, first, there is the Dancing Dell. It exists within the Ardeep Forest. It is a small shrine found in a valley of moss where a needle of rock sacred to illustrate can be found. Uh, this stone in the center of this valley is known as the Lady Stone. The second and final shrine that I will mention is the Dark Maiden's Leap. It is found in the north of the High Forest to the southeast of Everlund and can be found around a large stone. Uh, the stone has a flat top, though imprinted in the stone itself is the left footprint of a drow woman. This footprint was left by the avatar of Ilstrae herself during the times of sorry, the avatar it was the footprint was left by the avatar of Ilstrae herself during the time of troubles. This is a shrine to Ilstrae which the wood elves who live in the High Forest guard for those good aligned drow who are incapable of doing so during the day. To round out the podcast, I'd just like to mention different options that players and dungeon masters have available to them if they want to portray a worshipper of Illustrae or they want to show her influence out in the world of the Forgotten Realms. So for 2nd edition, anyone who might be playing with that role set, you can find the specifics for playing a member of Illustrae's clergy alongside a couple deity-specific spells in the Drow of the Underdark supplement. Also in the Demi-Human Deity supplement, you can find your requirements to play especially Priest of Illustrae, known as a Sword Dancer, access to some unique spells, and the excuse me, the statistics for specific magic items known as Singing Swords, a favorite magic blade of the clergy of the Dark Maiden. For those of you who are playing 3rd edition, uh, in the Face and Pantheon supplement, you can find the details for the Sword Dancer, which is a prestige class for worshippers of Illustrae. If you wish to play a Silver Hair Knight, which was uh, one of the Orders of Paladins I mentioned before, you can find the needed information for this unique prestige class in Dragon issue number 1, sorry, 315. Finally, in the Champion, Champions of Valor supplement, you can find the Initiate, initiate of Illustrate Feats, substitution levels for a fighter that you can replace with levels for the unique Dark Song Knight, and unique spells, of course, for worshippers of Illustrate. Now, for those of you who are currently playing the Fish Edition rule set like myself, uh, you won't find much in the way of specifics for any sort of options related to Australia, save the domains that are mentioned in the Sword Coast Adventurer's Guide for Illustrate, which I will repeat again here, being the Nature and Light domain. Now, for those two domains, clerics do not get access to martial weapons, but I as a dungeon master would allow them clerics operating in these two two domains to the very least to have proficiency either with scimitars, short swords, or both just because bladed weapons are so central to the worship illustrate. Now, 
backgrounds are pretty customizable. I kind of messed around with uh, a custom one just to kind of make a initiate or worshiper of illustrate background. Uh, so if you have a player who's kind of going with uh, playing someone who's a follower of illustrate or even a cleric of illustrate, I would present them with this background as a option that they can take. Uh, so the, for the still two skill proficiencies that they gain from the background, I would give them survival and performance. Of course, survival because most trained individuals or worshippers of illustrate have some sort of training in hunting and survival and techniques of that nature. Also performance given the fact that song is so central to their worship. Uh, for the two pro bonus proficiencies, whether that might be language or tools, I gave two two tool proficiencies. Uh, one type of musical instrument, either being a harp, flute, or horn, because those are the three instruments tied in with the worship of Illustrate. Uh, the second tool proficiency would be one type of artisan tool. Again, because craft and beauty and the beauty of craft is central to the worship of Illustrate, so I can definitely see a worshiper initiate, whatever the case might be, being trained in at least one set of artisan's tools. Uh, for the ribbon ability, I just said, just take the shelter of the faithful background uh, feature, sorry, the feature from the acolyte background. Now, if someone is looking to play a dark hair or silver hair knight, whether they might be a fighter, paladin, ranger, or whatever combination of classes with a martial bent, I would let them have a look at the Knight of the Order background in the Sword Coast Adventurer's Guide, and I would replace what is written there as one type of gaming set. I would just replace it for one type of artisan's tool. If anyone really wants to kind of lean into a class and subclass that reflects their following and worship to illustrate, or if a dungeon master is just looking or trying to figure out NPCs rather than just simple commoners who actually have a good amount of martial skill or skills and other various different kind of aspects of their lives, I think the following classes and subclasses would work really well for followers of Illustrate. Uh, Bards is an evident, sorry, is an obvious class in my opinion, given the fact that song is so central to the worship of Illustrate. Um, in particular, the College of Swords subclass from Xanathar's Guide to Everything, just because it is a class centered around martial skill with swords, and other martial weapons, but at the same time, you have that performance aspect in there as well. Um, for Paladins of Illustrate, I think they would take something akin to the Oath of the Ancients for a Dark Song Knight, uh, Oath of the Ancients being from the Player's Handbook, or a Oath of Redemption from Xanthar's Guide for Everything, if you're trying to reflect a Silver Hair Knight out in the in out in the world. Rangers also fit in really well with the worship of Illustrate. Uh, personally, I think a Gloomstalker Ranger fits the mold, especially if you're trying to portray a Drow worshiper of Illustrate. Um, also, with the addition, sorry, Gloomstalker being a subclass that's found in Xanathar's Guide to Everything. 
Also, there's the addition of the scout subclass, which also fits really well into that whole hunting and survival kind of mold for Illustrate. Uh, this is a subclass found for Rogues in Xanthar's Guide to Everything. Now, this last little bit here is just going to kind of be for Dungeon Masters, kind of use, use for inspiration or launching off points in their own games. Uh, when it comes to magic items or weapons or armor, etc., that would be fitting for temples, clergy, to be found out in the world. Uh, the first thing I'd like to mention, it's, it's not a magic weapon, but silver blades or silver-tipped arrows slash bolts would be somewhat available at the temples of Illustri, whether that might be in exchange for favor or coin, whatever the case might be, let the situation dictate. Um, some of the more specific named magic items from the Dungeon Master's Guide and Xanathar's Guide to Everything, first being the Dancing Sword. Hopefully at this point I don't kind of need to really need to, um, explain how that would be important or cool and fitting for a temple to have that kind of art, not so much artifact, but magic item at their disposal. Of course, you have access to the various instruments of the bards. Um, of course, maybe you might want to take some of them that aren't horns, harps, and flutes and just kind of change them to kind of reflect that instead. Uh, there's the scimitar speed, which is kind of a, you know, a, a blade with flair and speed that I can really see just, uh, just make a silver blade as well. That kind of really works for worshippers of Illustrate. Um, now from Xanthar's Guide to Everything, I've picked out a couple of the common magic items that, while some of them are kind of just kind of tongue-in-cheek, these ones actually I can see being really cool and work well for the worshippers of Illustrate. Uh, the first is the Horn of Silent Alarm and the Moon Touch Sword. Now for your Dungeon Masters, there's also... Available different, not many stat blocks, but stat blocks nonetheless that you can use for NPCs and by chance if you're playing an evil campaign, sorry, running an evil campaign, monster stat blocks. So if I was a dungeon master for these campaigns and I wanted to kind of showcase different NPCs who are part of the worship or temples of Illustrate, I would look at the Silver Dragons from the Monster Manual. Also, you have the stat blocks in the back there in the Monster Manual for the Acolyte. Uh, the Knights, Priest, sorry, and the Priest from the Monster Manual. In Vol's Guide, if you have access to it, there's a couple I'd like to bring mention to. Uh, you have the Scout and the Archer, of course, for the various different uh, Huntresses and Hunters of Illustrae. And finally, you have the bard, um, be it a bard who just casually worships Illustrate or is actually a member of one of the temples. So with that, I am done with discussing Illustrate. I hope you, as either a game master, dungeon master, or player at a table can make use of this, or by chance you're just listening to this for leisure, but I hope very much that it has been of some use to you. Thank you for listening to Religion in the Realms. If you're interested in keeping up with the release of future podcasts, you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and follow the podcast's Twitter account at 
realms religion, all one word. If you wish to get in touch with me personally, my personal Twitter handle is at shivsembrace, S-H-I-V-S-E-M-B-R-A-C-E. Next episode, we will continue our look at the deities associated with the drow with a podcast on Gonodur, former member of the Dark Celerine who has distanced themselves from the deities of the Pantheon, yet still holds deep influence in the Underdark. May Timora look kindly upon your dice rolls, Helm protect you, and Lathander light your path. Music for this episode, Silver Flame by Kevin MacLeod, licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0.